Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. So we're going to um, have our Bible reading this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Oh, yep, 1 to 9? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I remember my glasses today, so that's good. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, dear, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is in any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks, Tony. Thing working, it is working. That's good. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks for um, coming this morning. Um, we're in the last of our of the series called Joyful, uh, studying the book of Philippians. And um, I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this this series. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it as well. And I'd just like to, before I start, thank those a couple of guys who have been helping um, with the preaching roster, and in, particularly in this in this series, Kylum kicked us off, and Kane and Tim, Tim Hanner as well. Michael Gilliver was actually helping, but because of lockdown, uh, we weren't able to um, to hear him speak. But I just wanted to thank these guys because they're giving up their time um, to to serve the church in this way. So it's been really good. But um, this the, the theme of this book is really about finding true joy, and that true joy is not based on our circumstances. And the key to lasting contentment is found through a relationship with Jesus. Um, but before we get into it, uh, into this passage today, let's just pray, hey? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love. Uh, thank you so much that you are here with us and you're present with us today. Lord, we just thank you that um, we can know you. We thank you that um, we can read your word today. We just pray that you would speak through us, speak, speak into, our, into our hearts today, this morning. In your name, amen. So today's message um, I've titled, Being People of Peace. And as Christians, um, we often find that we should deal with conflict and peace. We, we should strive to be as much as we can peacemakers. And there is this correl- there's, there's so many correlations between experiencing joy in our lives and possessing peace without, within our circumstances and relationships with others, right? Um, and if we, were to, if we are called to be people of peace and therefore full of joy, what does that mean and how can we intentionally find ways to obtain that? And I think that's what um, Paul is addressing here and speaking to the church of Philippi. Now, just to set the scene a little bit here. Now, Paul, 
He's the founder of the church in Philippi. He went to Philippi. He was imprisoned in Philippi. And if many of you know the story in Acts where he's, he's in prison. I think it was with Silas. There was an earthquake. They, they were singing praises while they were in prison. And the prison guard became a Christian. He then, his whole household became a Christian. And many others in Philippi became Christians. And that was the birth of the church. And Paul the Apostle was the guy who brought this good news of the gospel of Jesus to these people. And it was customary, and, he was, and he's writing this letter, the book of Philippians, in prison in Rome, and it was customary for them to send the letter back to Philippi and read the letter out loud in church, possibly because uh, many weren't, uh, were illiterate in those days and weren't able to read themselves. But also I think um, there's, a, there's a sense that the, the, the emotions of Paul and the intent of the letter would have been best sort of communicated audibly and spoken and rather than just read. So you can imagine this, right? You come, into church, you, you come to church one morning. There's this anticipation that Paul, the apostle's letter, you've heard about this letter coming from Rome. It's going to be read in church that morning. And you get, in, you get to church that morning, you go, wow, okay, this letter is going to be read out. It's, a, it's an encouraging letter. And it's a letter about joy. It's about partnership with the, in, in, in the gospel together. It's about living for Christ and having joy and faith in him. And then you come to this chapter, in chapter 4. You come to this chapter and he says these, these words to these two ladies. He actually points out their names. And can you imagine if you come to church one morning? Like, so Vern Hazelwood founded this, started the church about 15 years ago. Say he's off on his, one of his outback trips and he sends this letter and we're reading the letter out in church publicly and he get, he get halfway through the letter and they say something like, hey, Shane, Freddie, come on, agree with each other. Like how awkward would that be? Publicly l- listing out their names. And uh, Paul doesn't actually tell us what the issues were. He doesn't tell us what they were arguing about. And... It's pure speculation here, but it makes me wonder, um, because in other, in other books that Paul wrote to the churches, if it was a theological issue, he would have listed it, and if it was a moral issue, he listed it, so it's probably not those two things. It makes me wonder, and this is pure speculation, was it even worth mentioning? Was this issue so trivial that it wasn't even worth mentioning? And we do this all the time, right? Sometimes we might be fighting with a spouse, with a friend, um, and an hour later, we come back and we ask ourselves, like, what, how did, what, what are we fighting about this for? Or I can't, you even get in, in the argument, you go back and go, what are we fighting? Like, it moves on from that actual initial issue that you were talking about. And it's a sad thought that, that um, sometimes we forfeit peace and unity with each other over disagreements and over issues that don't even matter. I know that's true for myself. And... Um, it's sad to think that the only, the only thing we know about uh, these two ladies, Iodia and Syntyche, Tony and I were, um, we asked Earl, how do we, say, how do we pronounce these names? And he said, just say it with confidence. Um, so Iodia and Syntyche, I'm saying it like that. Um, we, all we know about these two women is they fought bitterly. And um, they go down in history as possibly just being known that they weren't getting along. But I guess what I want to ask this morning is too, is this, is what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for peacemakers, to be peacemakers? Uh, It reminds me of a story of two women who were on a bus, and they were fighting over the last seat on the bus. 
At the back of the, back of the bus, there was two seats left on the bus. And the driver was, came back to the back of the bus and he was like, come on, ladies, let's work this out. And he got claws at him and he was like, oh, no, I'm staying out of this. He goes to the front of the bus and he thinks, how am I going to defuse this situation? And he calls out and just said, just let the ugly one have it. And both women decide to remain standing for the rest of the trip. I got that joke from Shane. No, cause it's, no just kidding. <laughs> all the bad jokes I get from Shane. That's <laughs> all right. But on a more serious note, um, if our lives were summed up with, in one sentence, what would it be? Clement, uh, Clement goes down in history as the peacemaker. Mediodia and Syntyche go down as peacebreakers. So that's what we want to talk about today. How are we to be people of peace? Now, if you jump um, into the last verse there, in verse 9, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So what can we learn, what can we hear and see in Paul from these previous verses that help us to be people of peace? Now, the first is this. People of peace love first. Now, verse, verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, thus stand, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, these words breathe the warmth of Paul's affection for the church of Philippi. He loves and longs for them. They are his joy and his crown. Now, do we have that genuine love for each other? Do we have that genuine love for others in our church community? But do we also have that genuine love for people outside of that? Now, Paul loved them so much that he wanted to bring the good news of Jesus to them. He loved them that much, and that's why he loved them, because he'd seen them come from death to life. And um, in, in Colossians, which is the, the book after this book, I love this verse. In verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says this. I got it up on the screen. It says, and above all, the, all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, which is peace. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. So to be people of peace, first we are to be people of love. Without love, there will be no peace. The second thing here is this, is people of peace hold to an eternal mission. They hold to an eternal mission. Now, um, if we go to verse 2, he says, I entreat you, Eodia and Syntyche, agree to agree in the Lord. Yes, also, I ask also, true companion, help these women who have laboured, so I'll put that up on the screen, who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel. Paul calls on this other person, as well as he mentions their Clement, um, he calls on these guys, these people, to help these people, to remind them that, that there is something that binds them together that, is not, that cannot um, pull them apart, not, like nothing else that brings them together. And what is that? It is this shared purpose, it is this shared, this shared goal and mission to bring the good news of Jesus to the people around them. And they've worked so hard together to do this. And Paul reminds them of the hope that comes from knowing Christ. He says there, your names are written in the book of life. Now, that's enough to diffuse any situation. It's sort of like, guys, what are you, you may not, you may disagree with these people, you may not like the way they have spoke to you or looked at you, 
Who knows what was going on, but he's saying, your names are in the book of life. Why are you fighting over this? Let's get an eternal perspective on this. And um, I just think that it's, it's so important even for us. As we, if we want to be people of peace, people that are, um, are not going to quarrel over the little things, let's remember that we have a shared vision, a shared mission, the shared goal of actually bringing the good news of Jesus into our own lives and also into the lives of people around us. Um, so pe- being people of peace, we hold to this eternal mission and this shared vision together. And um, the third thing I want to say here, and I'll spend a little bit more time on this and, and the next one as well, is that people of peace find joy in Jesus. And this is the, sort of the theme that we have um, been going through in this series um, called Joyful. And we get to verse 4 where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And this is an incredible statement from Paul. Right? We all know from what, um, the, the series that we're going through that Paul wrote this letter from prison. And he reminds us here where we can find our joy. It is found in the Lord. It is found in Jesus. So Paul himself is lying in prison here, almost certain that death is at his doorstep. He doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from. He doesn't know where the guard's going to come, even that hour, and take him away to be executed. And he's also speaking to people who are persecuted. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting that Paul says here, it's almost as though he's saying, I know what I'm saying. Like, I'm in a situation where there is no, there is, there, there, there is no happiness, as it were. But he says, I know what I'm saying. I've thought through every possible scenario that could happen to me, and even death, and still I say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And our joy as followers of Jesus is totally independent of everything going on around us because its source is in the continual presence of Jesus. We can never lose our joy because we can never lose him who is the source of our joy. And I think this is the difference between happiness and joy. And I want to define happiness and define joy and sort of just stress the differences between those things. And happiness is entirely dependent on what is around you. It's entirely circumstantial. Now, many of you would know the Peanuts comics or Charlie Brown. Um, apparently, there's a famous quote. I asked a few people if they have heard of this quote, and they all said, no, nah, I've never heard of it. So maybe it's not as famous as I thought. But it's, I Googled it. It's a thing. People have made stickers of this quote. They've put on bumper, on, on, on bumper stickers on their car. They've made, they've made shirts of this quote. And the quote is this. It says, happiness is a warm puppy. Anyone heard of that quote? Oh, one person. One person has heard of it. Okay. Happiness is a warm puppy. And it comes from this comic strip um, where Lucy, who's normally the grumpy character of the comic strip, she's walking along, she sees Snoopy the dog, she pats him on the head, bends down, gives the puppy a cuddle, and walks away and says that line, happiness is a warm puppy. Happiness is a warm puppy. And um, we have a new puppy as well. Um, it does not always bring us happiness, I can tell you that. I've got a photo up here of Elena peacefully lying on the puppy's back, seemingly happy, 
All right, she's happy. But I want to ask this, and this may be a depressing thought, so just bear with me. Suppose there is no puppy in your life, as it were. Well, then, where's, does that mean happiness goes? Now, I know there's a, um, this is not a thought that you want to come to church and say, oh, God, I don't want to think about the fact that there may, may no, be no hap, uh, warm, cuddly puppy in my life, but happiness depends on the things we, ha- we have or can acquire, right? It may be um, any amount of money. It might depend on the amount of money you earn, what kind of car you drive, what sort of house you live in, whether you have healthy relationships or not. But these are all circumstantial. They are external, and when they go, happiness goes with them. And the reason I put this photo up, um, you can see my comment there. Look, they're getting along, but that doesn't last. The next photo is this. She t- <laughs> that was in like, which in the, I'm surprised I even got the first photo because within split seconds, typical puppy, she turns around, she nips, nips Elena on the hand, and um, she instantly goes from happiness to sadness. From happiness to sadness. So her happiness changed to sadness because her circumstances changed. But that's not the way with joy. That's not how joy works. Joy is the everlasting beauty. Joy is found in the everlasting beauty of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. And it's intended, as Christians, it's intended to well up inside of us because we know that the Spirit of God lives in us. So it is not dependent on what's outside, what's happening around us, our circumstances. It is purely from God and from His presence dwelling in us. It is not hinged on our circumstances. All these things that bring happiness can be stripped away in a moment. And... Um, we just think of the church in Afghanistan right now, and it's it's hard to think, and this is and it's hard to even speak about this because we cannot even understand the atrocities that they are going through right now, and the only thing that we can point them to is the Word of God and say this is where true joy comes from, not from your circumstances. So this is the point, and I I want to stress this again: let's not fall into the trap of the pursuit of happiness. Our society tells us to pursue happiness. But I want to encourage you this morning to fall into the privilege of the pursuit of joy that can be found in the everlasting presence of Jesus. And this will bring us true and lasting peace despite what's going on around us. And that's the theme of the book, right? And the theme of this series, joyful we can be joyful despite what's going around us, happening around us. So as people of peace, we can find joy in Jesus. So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now the, um, the fourth thing of people of peace are this. People of peace are gentle to others and dependent on God. Um, verse 5, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Now, the word here, reasonableness, um, I've read through a few commentaries, and it's actually a really hard word to translate into English because it has multiple different meanings depending on the context that it was written. And if you're reading from NIV, it would say gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Um, and it sort of means um, this idea of 
equitable or fair or mild and gentle. And I think what Paul's saying here, in, in, in a sense, is he's speaking in the context of what Paul's saying, speaking directly to people who are fighting with each other. He's saying for us to be gentle in how we approach each other. Don't be unreasonable. Don't be like, oh, well, this, but this and this. Be, let's be people known for our humility, our gentleness, and our love for each other. And then he goes on. He goes on into um, verse 6, the famous verse which many of us would have heard before and many of us would have probably heard sermons just on this, on this one verse. And there's so much in this, but he says, therefore, it says, do not be anxious, but in anything, sorry, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now, I don't know about you all, but this is, this is, a, hard, is a hard verse to read. At first glance, and on the surface level, it seems like Paul's just brushing over our anxieties and saying, don't worry, just pray about it, and everything will be all right. And if you're like me, the initial response is like, seriously, Paul, you do not know what I'm going through. You don't know how, what I feel like right now. You don't understand my situation. It's not that easy just to pray, and it'll be okay. My anxiety will go. But if anyone, if anyone could understand or relate to a situation that warrants worry and or anxiety, it would be Paul. So we know he is not just saying this lightly. Because in his situation, he, was, he has a right to be worried or anxious being in prison. And to just quickly grasp um, what Paul is meaning here, I think we need to define or understand what, what he means by that word, anxious. And... Um, I mean, we could, you could speak on an hour just on anxiety. And I would love to go into all that, but we just don't have the time for that. And I want to recommend um, Kylan Lewis, who spoke a couple of months ago. He's got a really good sermon on overcoming anxiety. Um, so if anyone suffers from anxiety or depression or things like that, I recommend checking his sermon out. But he actually... Um, he defines anxiety with three categories, two that he thinks would be mentioned in the New Testament and one that he, he would say doesn't really, the Bible doesn't really speak to. The first is a righteous anxiety, um, and Paul uses this, this term anxious when he's speaking of how he feels anxious for the church or he feels anxious for other people. And that's a, that's a good thing to have, to feel concern for others. Um, but there's an also another anxiety that he doesn't speak about in the New Testament, and that's more of a, a clinical disorder or a medical illness. And, but I don't, don't believe he is referring to that here. I, I think what he is referring, what Colin defines this as unrighteous anxiety, and I wanted to put a quote, he'd love me the fact that I'm putting a quote of Colin up on the screen, um, but Colin says he defines unrighteous anxiety like this. He says, unrighteous anxiety is an unhealthy fixation, preoccupation, worry or concern with an absent-mindedness of God and eternity, a misapplication of responsibility leading to a lack of the fruit of the Spirit and an inversion of pursuit and desires. And I think this is the type of anxiety that results in conflict with each other, but also conflict within our own hearts and minds. And I, and I think this is what Paul is taught, referring to here when he says anxiety. 
or do not be anxious. But what does he then say to combat this? I think that's what we want to get to. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and I want to key in on that word, thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. With thanksgiving. What does thanksgiving force us to do? It forces us to remember. It's similar to what Shane mentioned during communion. Communion is about remembering. And um, Candy does this all the time to me. I might come to her feeling anxious and stressed about something. I express, oh, I feel like this, I feel like that. I'm stressed. I'm feeling rubbish. And she'll look at me and she'll often just say, what, are you, what can you be thankful for right now? Or she might even point to the kids who are, she, they always happen to be playing so nicely and peacefully in that moment, which is very rare, but always in that moment, she'll look at the kids and say, and remind me that we are so blessed. And I often respond by going, oh, please, oh, like now, really? Can I not just wallow in my sorrow right now? Just have some pity on me for feeling this way? And um, that may be how you feel sometimes when you read this verse from Paul. But we cannot get away from the absolute truth of what he is saying here. By saying, be thankful, he's saying, remember the good gifts that God has given you. Remember the gospel of Jesus and the many blessings that come with that. Remember, whether you're finding anxiety within your own mind or hostility in relationships, what are we to do? We are to remember and be thankful, and then bring our requests to God. And then what does he say in verse 7? He says, and the peace, there's our word, peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This peace surpasses all, I love that phrase, surpasses all understanding. In other words, we often will not understand why things are happening in our lives. Why is there evil? Why is this happening in Afghanistan right now? Horrible things happening in the world and sometimes in our life. But what do we know is that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. And when we depend on him, we depend on him, we bring our requests to him and bring our worries and concerns and requests to him and he will give us peace. And I, there's, there's an interesting correlation there. He's, Paul's saying... Let your gentleness be known to everyone else, but let your requests be known to God. So let us not bring our worries and concerns to others. Let's bring them to God. And he will take that burden and let's, let's know, let our gentleness be known to others. So people of peace are people who are gentle to others and dependent on God. So just to, to quickly recap what we have learned from Paul here, about being people of peace and battling this conflict between, between us and our relationships. What does he say? He says, people of peace, love first, hold on to an eternal mission and look to eternity. They find their joy in Jesus and they are gentle to others and dependent on God. And Paul then um, finishes with this. And I'll, just, I'll ask the band if you want to come up because I'll be finished soon and then we'll pray. But Paul then says this. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, 
I'll go to the next slide. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence in, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's as if, it's as if he is saying here, do you not agree that what I've just said to you is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely? Things, these things I've just told you, do you not agree that they are? If you agree that they are excellent, that they are worthy of praise, well then think about them. Put your mind on these things and practice them. Practice these things. Practice being people of love. Practice being holding to that mission, that, that shared mission together. Find joy in Jesus. Be gentle to others and dependent on him. And then what does he say? That last line and the peace, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are with us. Thank you so much that we can read these words that you inspired Paul to say to the Philippian church, but also to us today. They are so relevant. Lord, help us to be people of peace. Help us to love like you have loved us. Help us to love others. Help us to remind us to be that we are on a shared mission together to bring your good news, the gospel, to the people around us. Help us to find joy in you, Jesus, in the presence of you on a daily basis. Help us to be humble. Help us to be gentle to others and dependent on you. Lord, we, we thank you and we know we cannot do this without you. In your precious name, amen.